0: Take your Bibles, and I turn to First Corinthians, chapter number 11. Tonight, First Corinthians, chapter number 11. Amen. Excitement's contagious. Amen. Wonderful job, choir. Wonderful. And uh, tonight, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians, or sorry, am I 2 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians. I put 2 Corinthians on there. That's my fault, Brother Co. Sorry. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 11, uh, verses 23 through 28 tonight. So, disregard the 2 Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians that's not Brother Coe's fault. That's my fault. So, got to make one mistake, right? One mistake uh, there. Uh, but this evening, uh, we're this morning, uh, we started uh, looking at the promises of the foretelling of Christ's birth and looking at His lineage and uh, these different things. Uh, and so tonight, we're going to. I was going to go in a different direction for tonight's sermon, but uh, decided this afternoon. To go uh, in a different direction. I say the Lord decided. And so we're going to continue with that same thought a little bit, but talking about Christ's crucifixion specifically. Uh, we're going to go through some of those foretellings, and there are many. Uh, many times we focus on just a couple of, you hear preachers talk about uh, a few of these. Oh, am I on, Brother Co? I am on. Okay, I want to make sure. Uh, we hear a couple of these, and you'll recognize some of them, uh, but there are quite a few. Uh, we're going to be going through some of these tonight, uh, going through them quickly, but I want us to look in the context of remembering our Savior's sacrifice, and that's the purpose of the Lord's Supper, is to remember Christ's sacrifice on Calvary. But when we look at the promises, the prophecies concerning specific aspects of Christ's crucifixion that were foretold hundreds, sometimes even thousands of years in advance, and that Jesus perfectly, all in one period of time, in one event, not one separate event, but one event, that of his crucifixion, fulfilled them all. And as we looked at this morning, if we just look at that, well, that's just a coincidence. That is a mathematical and a probability impossibility, to see all of these things, and all of these things he did, and all these things he went through in order for those prophecies to be fulfilled. So we're in First Corinthians chapter number 11. If we could stand together for respect for the reading of the Word of God, and we're going to do something different tonight. So uh, we're going to do what's called a responsive reading. I'm going to read the first verse, and then you're going to read the second, Then I'm going to read the verse after that. Okay, So I'm going to read, begin reading in verse number 23. Then you all are going to read verse 24. Then I'm going to read verse 25. Then you all read verse 26, okay? Until we get down to verse number 28, then whoever ends on that one will end there, okay? So once we get to verse number 28, if I'm reading it, we're not reading verse 29, okay? If we do, it's okay. It's Scripture, amen. But we're only going to verse number 28 tonight. So 1 Corinthians 11, I'm going to begin reading in verse 23, and then you pick up verse number 24. God's Word says, For I received of the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. bread, All right, verse number 25. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is in the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. Verse number 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, I pray that you would bless our time together in your word tonight and that we would see once again the precious promises that are given and the prophecies concerning yourself. Oh Lord, that our hearts would be full and as we see the intricate pieces of how the Bible is worn, woven together, oh Lord, that we would stand in awe of your miraculous power. We pray your blessing tonight in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated tonight. This morning, we looked at was Jesus the Messiah? And as we go through those parts this morning, we look at it. it's irrefutable that he indeed is the Messiah. Was and then, but he still is now. Amen. He is alive in heaven today. But there are prophecies concerning the death of Christ. And so we're going to remember our Savior's sacrifice tonight. As we looked at here, that the instructions for the Lord's Supper, the last supper that Jesus and his disciples um, had together before he was crucified, and this is done for one specific reason, to remember, first of all, why Christ died, to be that perfect sacrifice for sin. Uh, Because if we forget that, then we forget everything, for Christ is everything. Amen. He is everything in our lives. He is the life of the world. But as a Christian, we should always keep the sacrifice of Christ close to our hearts and to our minds. Because when we get distracted and when we begin to be involved, then we begin to be overtaken with the things of this world and the busyness and the the, uh, distractions of this world, then the preciousness and the love for the Lord can begin to dim. But tonight as we turn our eyes upon Jesus and we look full in his wonderful face as we look at these specific details concerning the death of Christ. We're going to begin in Zechariah chapter number 11 and verse number 13. Now this morning I had you read some verses. I'm going to read some and I'm going to ask you all to read a couple of other ones here tonight. Uh, but for each of these points I'm going to put up all the verses for that particular point. Something a little different. Uh, than I usually do. So all the verses that I'm going to be reading tonight, and uh, we're going to be turning to some of them, some of them not. I will let you know which ones, but let's turn to Zechariah 11 and verse number 13. Uh, And it was foretold that Christ would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, For Jesus was betrayed that the Uh, Pharisees, or the the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, paid Judas Iscariot 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus Christ to them, to take him into custody and eventually kill him. And this was foretold in Zechariah 11, in verse number 13. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it unto the potter, a goodly price that I was prized out of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. This was a foretelling of what would happen with Jesus, that he was sold for 30 pieces of silver. The time of Zechariah, this is about 450 years before the birth of Christ and before his death. So this is an amazing thing exactly. Now, what if uh, uh, you said, well, we, they just made that up. You know, it's 29 pieces of, uh, of silver, or 28, or maybe the Pharisees knew this Particular verse in just, you know, 30 is a good round number to come to. Uh the Pharisees and those they didn't know that they were fulfilling a prophecy when they paid Judas Iscariot. They didn't know that. But we do know is that it was exactly that as we see it recorded in the Gospels. Some of these details we know. I'm not going to turn to the cross references in the Gospels, but you can find them there. Because some of these details are very obvious that we know. Some of them are a little bit more obscure. So the second area is that he is the Passover lamb. This is why Jesus had to die. Look at Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12 and verses 12 through 14, Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. Now, these were the instructions for the Passover. When the death angel passed over, those in Egypt, the firstborn of every house would die, whether Egyptian or Hebrew, and last... There was the blood upon the doorpost, and God's death angel passed over. That's why it's called the Passover, that death would pass over them. And that's a picture. We have accepted Jesus Christ and his shed blood, and he has placed his blood over our lives so that when death comes, yes, physical death, but death and hell will pass over us, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Let's pause for a moment, and we sing a song like that. When I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. It's based on this passage right here. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. And this was fulfilled when John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. That is what he is referring to. And Jesus, of course, died at Passover time. The day before Passover is when Jesus was crucified. A coincidence, right? A coincidence, no, a foretelling. And this in Exodus chapter 12 was to be what? A memorial, a sign of what God was going to do, not only for Israel, but the entire world. And if you have accepted Christ as your savior, the death of hell passes over us by the shed blood of Jesus. But if you have not accepted Christ, you will not be passed over. For all have sinned to come short show the glory of God. And Romans 6, 3, For the wages of sin is death. Death will not pass over you. That eternal judgment and damnation of hell will not pass over you if you have not accepted the shed blood of Jesus Christ to take away your sin. Praise the Lord. And that's what we remember tonight. The shed blood in the grape juice that we partake tonight is simply a sign and a symbol of that shed blood. To pay for our sin. An amazing thing. He is the Passover lamb. Second. Or third, I should say. Third, he would be mocked and forsaken. Psalm 22, verse number 1. Psalm 22, verse number 1. Also, you'll see verses 7 and 8 there. I'm gonna have, when we all get there, I'm going to have you all read together Psalm 22, verse number 1, and then I'll read verses 7 and 8. And that this is the prophecy that he would be mocked and forsaken, not only by man, by his own heavenly Father. When God the Father turned his back upon him because he became sin for us, for God cannot look upon sin. And Jesus, became he who knew no sin, became sin for us. So this is the context here, Psalm 22, verse number 1. And once everybody's there, look up at me if you're all there. All right, Psalm 22, verse number 1, begin. Now, those words sound familiar? When Jesus cried on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I don't know about you, but I'm sure when he said those words on the cross, some heads snapped up because they know that psalm. All Jews do. This is a messianic psalm. And they know this is referring to the Christ. And that's exactly what he said, quoting word for word. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was very interesting as you see it recorded. I believe it's in Luke. It actually gives, Eli, Eli, Lava that's Hebrew. And that is a direct quotation of Psalm 22, verse number one. I don't know about you, that gets me excited, amen? That when you see that and just, it's amazing. Now look at verses seven and eight. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Seeing he saved others, let him save himself. Come down from the cross. You saved others, but you can't save Yourself, Isn't that what happened? Isn't that what the Jewish leaders did? They laughed him to scorn, shot out the lip. That's a, a, a sign of derision and mocking, that he was mocked by his own creation. He endured all of that because he loved those that mocked him. Do you think about that? That he is there paying for the sins of those who are even mocking him at that very moment. Then another prophecy, verse number 4, or sorry, number 4, is that he will be lifted up. Numbers 21, Numbers 21, verse number 9. We'll turn over there. Numbers 21 and verse number 9. And now this is the account of how Moses, how they had murmured against God and that God sent fiery serpents upon them. uh, And they were bitten and they were dying. And they entreated Moses, what are we going to do? And so God gave an instruction to Moses "...to make a serpent out of brass, and to put it upon a pole that whosoever looked to it and believed in the instruction of the Lord, not in the serpent itself, but as a sign of faith and trust in Jehovah God, then they would be healed of their snake bites." Numbers 21, verse 9, "...and Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived." But what's the, the cross references? John chapter 3, verse numbers 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, this is, John, this is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What's the next verse? Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It was prophesied that he would be lifted up, and Jesus said, I am going to, going to fulfill that. Moses lifted up a brazen servant, but I am going to be lifted up for Israel and for the world. This was the first mention of his death that Jesus spoke of himself in John chapter 3. Not only that, but also even the specific condition of Christ on the cross. Psalm, we're back in Psalm 22. There's many descriptions given in Psalm 22. We're going to look at those, Psalm 22, verse number 15, also Psalm 69, verse number 21. So Psalm 22:15. 15, once we're all there, I'm going to have you all read that, and then I'm going to read Psalm 69, 21. So the first condition we see that he, his mouth was dry. He said, I thirst. And this was described in Psalm 22, verse number 15. Begin. And as a result of that, he was given vinegar. Psalm 69, 21. They gave me also gall for my meat and my thirst. They gave me vinegar to drink. And he read the gospels and said, so that it might be fulfilled what the prophet spoke what was given in the Old Testament, all of these things. By the way, those that stood at the foot of the cross, that were the Pharisees and the scribes, they knew these. They knew that these things were being fulfilled. It was heard. And then another description is that in all of that and in his death, no bones were broken and that he was pierced. Numbers 9, verse number 12. Numbers 9 and verse number 12. Only have two more of these to go through. Numbers 9 and verse number 12. And actually, this is interesting with the bones of the Passover lamb. It was a requirement by the Levitical law that the Passover lamb could not have broken bones. And you were not to, in the sacrifice of the lamb, break its bones. So, Numbers 9, verse number 12. They shall leave none of it unto the morning, nor break any bone of it. According to all the ordinance of the Passover, they shall keep it. It's talking about the lamb. Its blood was spread, and then it was, uh, it was uh, cooked, and then we see the unleavened bread as well. Then in John 19, verses 32 to 37, Then came the soldiers. And break the legs of the first, the one thief, and the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he saw, and he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. He knoweth that he that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. And that scripture is Zechariah 12, 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. "...and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn." So this was a scripture that was fulfilled when they put the spear into his side. All of these things foretold. Also we see in uh, Psalm in John 19, verses 23 and 24, "...then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts." To every soldier apart and also his coat now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout they said therefore among themselves let us not rend it but cast lots for it whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled which saith they parted my raiment among them and for my vesture they did cast lots these things therefore the soldiers did and that was the fulfillment of Psalm 22 18 they part. My garments among them may cast lots upon my vesture. Amazing. All of these things, small things. Did the Roman soldiers know that they were fulfilling Scripture at that very moment? They did not, but God knew. All these things were done, why? So that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. One last one, Psalm 31 tonight. Psalm 31, verse number 5. Psalm 31 and verse number 5. Huh. <coughs> that he committed his spirit to God, Psalm 31, verse number 5. I know I moved a little quickly through some of these so we can get to our Lord's Supper time tonight. If you didn't get any of the notes here, I do have copies. I can give you a copy of the notes tonight. But Psalm 31, verse number 5, so when you're there, look up here so I know that you're ready. I'll have you read this one, Psalm 31, verse number 5. Begin. And Luke 23, verse 46, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghosts. Another prophecy concerning Christ. Now, I don't know, you know, we look at these things, but remember, we're not Jews. Jews are brought up to learn these verses and to learn these prophecies and to learn these psalms. And so those that stood there watching heard these things and saw these things, I wonder if some of them that stood there, the dots began to connect. The disciples were there. They saw the dots were beginning to connect, that indeed it was a proof and a fulfillment that this indeed is the Messiah. Even to the point when the thunder and the earthquake, we see the Roman soldiers said, surely this man was the son of God. Surely, this must have been, this isn't just some, uh, some man that they have crucified hundreds, if not thousands, before him. But indeed was and is. We use and refer to Christ in the past tense, past tense. He is today, amen, on the right hand of God. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And tonight, when remembering his sacrifice, to see it all come together to see it all come together, it's almost overwhelming what Christ did for us. All of those details and many other details we didn't have time to go over tonight. <coughs> this isn't even all the prophecies. This is just some. If we went over all of them, we'd be here for a while. The Bible is intricately woven together. No man could do this. No man could write this. No man could make such an intricately overweaving over the centuries like well the you know they try and explain it well so and so copied from this person and they got the details from this and from that an impossibility Right. Uh, Even authors that write the same book and they're writing a series of books, they forget the details and they make mistakes and they change. Well, it was in this book in one way, but they said something over here. Authors that write books and novels, they make mistakes. But, you know, we look through all of this, it all interweaves together perfectly throughout centuries and millennia. Man cannot do that, only God can. And so tonight we can trust the Word of God We can trust it, that it is indeed his word. We can trust that Jesus is the Messiah. And we can trust that Jesus died for us. This is what we are here to remember tonight. It was a terrible death. Excruciating, demeaning, humiliating. A terrible death because of his love for you. What should it bring to heart tonight? Look at Romans chapter 12 for a moment. We look at this. We know that Christ is alive today, but Christ is alive today with memory of what he endured for us, with memory of the cross, with memory of being forsaken by his heavenly father, being a man yet and being perfectly holy, yet becoming sin. He who knew no sin. Understand this, that he became sin. We don't understand all of this. He was a sacrifice for sin, but he became dirty. For us, he who knew no sin. Do we understand that the sin of all mankind touching the Holy One of God, how excruciating and how repulsive that was for him? He who knew no sin became sin for us and took it upon himself. I don't think we think about that always. How holy and pure he is became sin. Just that alone is excruciating. But then the physical, the spiritual, emotional, all of it together, then being separated from his father for the first time in all of eternity, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All of these things together, why did he do it? For you, and for me, for the world. When we look at this, I don't know about you, but it doesn't want to make you serve him all the more. That's what love does. Love does. If you truly love somebody, you want to serve them and be the, help them and meet what they desire for you to do. I mean, is that what you do in a marriage? Isn't that right? That when we love a person, that when they have a need, you want to meet that need. And you know what? God's kingdom must go forward. And he asked in just a simple phrase, will you serve me? You know what the Apostle Paul said? had a very simple response to this and an encouragement. Verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the what? Mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, and the last phrase. Say last phrase together, which is your reasonable. It's only reasonable to serve Jesus Christ with your life. It's only reasonable to fulfill what God's purpose is for you. God has a special purpose for every single person in here tonight, has a special place of ministry, a special purpose in this life. And by the way, it's not for you to make money. It's not for you to be top of the heap. It's not for you to promote yourself. It's to promote him. And that's reasonable. Don't you think that's a reasonable expectation, especially, especially knowing that death will now pass over us because of what Jesus did on the cross for us? Isn't it only reasonable? But you know what? As human beings, there are so many today that do not think that is reasonable. Well, I want to run my own life. That's great. See what you do with it? You see, we know what's going on out there. Everybody that decides, I'm going to run my own life, I'm going to do my own thing. It's a mess. Amen? Amen? To the point they can't figure out what gender they are. There's only two. Male and female created he them. By the way, this is really ratcheting up all of that in our culture today it's ratcheting up big time and you know what we see that that is what happens when man is left to himself man is wicked man is depraved and you know what i don't think i want to trust what i want to do i just want to follow god because when we begin to get into the word and when we begin to dedicate our lives to christ uh heaven looks more and more a glorious place to be amen a glorious place to be. And you know what? We, we were so afraid at times of different things. And, you know, I know a lot of people were afraid with COVID and all these different things. You know what? What's the worst that could happen? You go to heaven. That's the worst that thing is going to happen to you. Amen. Uh, there, uh, we look at these things. They're so terrible. You know what? I'll just go be in heaven to be with my Savior. Amen. We get so focused here. It's reasonable to serve him. But you know what? I only have a certain number of years in my life. That's right. You don't know how many you have, and you better spend them for Jesus. But that's all you're going to have in the the next life. That's all you're going to have is the reward of serving him to be able to cast at your Savior's feet. I don't know. I do believe 100% that there's going to be Christians there that have nothing to throw at the Savior's feet. And they're going to weep. They're going to weep. And I pray that's no one here tonight because I know this sermon will ring in your ears on that day. That you decided to live for yourself instead of live for Jesus Christ. Do we really live for him or do we live for him because that's what we're supposed to do? There's a difference. Doing something because you're supposed to do it and doing it because you want to. Amen? I hope hope you're all here tonight. By the way, isn't that what... um, uh, you know, the, the saying goes this, you know, with, with church services sometimes, you know, those those that come, you know, Sunday morning, uh, you know, love what, uh, uh, you know, just doing their duty there. They, they love what people think. Those that come Sunday night, uh, you know, love what their pastor thinks. And then Wednesday night, they actually love Jesus. Okay. I don't say that in an offensive way, but to be honest, you know, we get through the week and we, Wednesday night is the least attended church of any church across America. Maybe with some exceptions. But Wednesday night, why? Because it's inconvenient. It's the middle of the week. It's the evening. And it's usually a Bible study. And it's prayer time. There's nothing exciting going on. But you know what? That's where the heartbeat of the church is. Right there. Wednesday night. It's only reasonable. Our love for the one who died for us should be great. Amen. It should be great. It should be great. Let's focus on that this evening. As we look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. All these things. It's reasonable to serve Jesus Christ. Oh, I've given so much up to serve Jesus. Oh, you know. I've, I've given up so much. You know what? I haven't given up enough. That's the right attitude and the right. We haven't given up enough. There's always more to give. Amen. Well, I have reached my limit. I've reached my limit of giving. It is the Christmas season, you know, and I've, I'm giving more. You know, people give more to God during this time of their time and their efforts, you know. But I can I tell you this? Well, I've reached my, my giving limit, right? Ever, ever do that with the giving presents at Christmas time? I've reached my giving limit. I can't give anymore. I can't do anymore. And you know what? I'm so glad that when Jesus was hanging on this cross, right about he's about to have those nails pierced through his hands and his feet. He said, okay, I've given, my giving limit has been reached. You know what? I've gone through this. I've been spit upon. I've been mocked. I've been whipped. That's enough. I'm just going to skip this part. I want to go back to heaven. I'll see you later. Did he do that? No, because that wasn't what was required by the law. The law was required, the shedding of blood and death. And he didn't hold back on for us. Neither should we hold back for him. That's what's reasonable. Life for life. By the way, the life... That uh, we look at this like, oh, no, I have to give my life to Jesus. You know, it's a wonderful life to give to him. Amen. Uh, There are wonderful things there. There's trials, but isn't it hard? Can I just tell you, it doesn't matter what life you choose. Don't you have bad things happen even if you live for yourself? Right? Uh, Don't the billionaires, they have their problems, right? Everybody has their problems. There is no path in life that has no problems. But the world's way has more problems than most and the sad thing is they have problems that they can't fix and they have no hope for. That's why people commit suicide. They have no hope. There's not a solution. But we do have a solution. Amen. Jesus Christ is our solution. His word is our guide and his spirit is our way of victory. It's reasonable to serve him. And if you look at the book of Revelation, you see how it all ends. You know what? Ever, ever skipped to the end of the book to see how it ends? right ever, ever? how many ever do that okay we found out who the impatient people are right <laughs> it's a book this thing I just want to know what happens right ever do that and then you read the end and then it doesn't make any sense because you have to read the rest of the book to know how you got there <laughs> Right? Ever done that? It's like, okay, that totally didn't make any sense. What I just read. So I guess i got to read the rest of the book. You know what? That's why we need to study the entire word of God, the whole counsel of God. But we get to the end. We know the devil loses. The world loses out. You know what we see right now? The world standing and towering mights. It seems against Christians and God's people. You know what? I'm not scared. Because he wins. Amen. We sit there in fear and discouragement. God wins. Amen. Do we believe that? He wins. I mean, don't sit there and say, "Well, we'll see about." No, he wins. Either his words true or it isn't. Let's be reminded remind- of that. Well, you know what we see? Yes, we see defeats. You know what? There's so many times that we see. You know, uh, we pray for good Supreme Court decisions. We praise God when you know God is in it when there's victories. But then, oh no, when there's a defeat, can we please not gauge our spiritual bar- barometer by what happens in the Supreme Court of the United States of America? Amen. And what happens during elections? You know, oh no, it's over. Because they made the wrong decision. What do you expect lost people to do? Amen. Don't be surprised when lost people act like lost people. But, you know, they're Christians. We can go into that another time. Anyway, I believe some of them are but if they claim that the Mass and the Virgin Mary saves them, they're not Christians. All right? Amy Comey Barrett, she's a great lady. She loves life, but she's Catholic. So is Kavanaugh. They're not saved if they trust in the Catholic religion. They're still lost. Even though they have a moral compass that aligns with the Bible, we can be thankful for that. God even uses that. But they can make other foolish decisions. But we don't base on whether we have faith in God on what a government agency does in any place in the world. God's kingdom is forever. Even though our country is great and we're so thankful for our country, God's kingdom is greater and more beautiful and more powerful. And it's going to be more splendid than we can ever imagine. So let's focus on that this evening. Let's take a moment to commit ourselves anew to him. Let's pray together. Dearly, Father, I pray that you will bless our time of introspection and invitation tonight. Before we partake of the Lord's Supper this evening, O Lord, that we would recommit to you anew. That we would call upon you, dear Lord, and to commit our lives once again. For, Lord, our service to you is only reasonable. You love us so. Forgive us if we have wandered away from the path. Forgive us if we have... Turned an eye to the vanities and distractions of this world. For Lord, we all do it. And I pray that tonight we would just give thanks. That our sin has passed over. We're so undeserving. But yet it is true. We pray, dear Lord, your blessing. Bless this invitation time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.